as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson, also a Big Shiny Robot. And we got a couple movies to talk to you about this week. We've got the Angry Birds movie, which is based on the uh, the hit mobile game uh, where you're fleeing birds at uh, pigs. And from what I've heard, the the game's more fun than the movie. But I'll, Andy saw that one, I didn't get a chance to see it. Uh, we also have Neighbors 2, and then the new Shane Black comedy, The Nice Guys. And at the end, we're all going to wrap it up and discuss this whole Ghostbusters fiasco that with the angry video game nerd and all the craziness surrounding that. Um, but before we get there, Andy, why don't you tell us about Angry Birds? Yeah, speaking of angry, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> like like you mentioned, this is based off of Rovio's very successful uh, downloadable game for your phone or tablet or what have you. Over one billion downloads worldwide the original angry birds and that's not counting your angry birds star wars oh, your yeah, angry that was birds a huge one. Base, your angry birds transformers anyway i uh this movie yeah is less fun than the video game that's not surprising given the track record of hollywood being able to adapt video game movies now take all of the problems of trying to adapt a video game and turn it into a 90-minute, two-hour film. Uh, you're, you don't have much of a plot. You don't have a ton in terms of character development uh, for, for most of these games. And compound that by about a 1,000 because you literally have nothing. You have a slingshot. You have birds flinging at pigs. That's weird. about it. Yeah, it's weird, too, because... I mean, the Angry Birds phenomenon is kind of cooled. I mean, we could, that's being generous, I would say. Yeah. Um, it's, why Why wouldn't they come out with this movie like five years ago at the height of the craze? You know, when people would actually... Well, I guess people were interested. People went... It's number one at the box office, but everyone went and saw it. So, Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting question. And part of it has to do with just how long it takes to make an animated movie. And the fact that Rovio, rather than licensing out Angry Birds to someone like Sony or DreamWorks or Disney Pixar, decided to build their own animation studio and build this thing from the ground up. So they've been in production on this thing, yeah, for five years. Yeah, and it might have been a good idea. It might have been a a much better idea at the the top of their game. But, um, yeah, the hype is kind of cooled. And, quite frankly, this... This movie is aimed at people who were probably one or two when the original Angry Birds came out. Um, There is just not much here. It is bright. It is colorful. There are birds. There are pigs. And there is flinging of birds at pigs in order to save their eggs in the final 20 minutes of the movie. And that's actually where it picks up uh up until that point there's a lot of padding there's a lot of backstory and it's just really unnecessary i took my kids to go see this and my 11 year old uh came out and she said dad you don't need a backstory to the angry birds well yeah that's like (laughs) no one cares about that (laughs) Who cares why they're angry? Yeah, and and the whole... We spend literally the first 40 minutes of this movie 
uh, following the main birds in their anger management class. And basically the only, the only things that are making them mad are things that like, yeah, that would legitimately make someone angry that, that you did that. And so I just, I think it's funny. They tried to do a backstory because you literally get the entire backstory you need in the game. I'm not joking within 15 seconds. Yep. You get that. And the, you know, this was something that, that Brooke mentioned uh, because she also took her kid to go see this and we were talking about it. And yeah, you've got that, that beginning of the game and and like, that's it. And they tell the whole story in like three panels and there you go. But one of the things Brooke mentioned and that I will agree is it was cool how they were able to incorporate some of that original Angry Birds music in into the film. It is an Angry Birds movie, but that begs the question, did there need to be an entire Angry Birds movie? I, I am overall no. at like <laughs> 3 out of 10 on this. The oh, last, wow. Yeah, the last 20 minutes is pretty good. Everything before that is just terrible. I mean, the... Uh, the main pig is played by Bill Hader, who's trying to have a lot of fun with this. And then uh, there is a much too short appearance by Peter Dinklage as the mighty eagle, who is like the island's uh, superhero and everyone looks up to. Um, again, he also doesn't show up until almost halfway into the movie, and then he's barely in it. Uh, there might have been something here, but it, there there just wasn't. It was mostly boring. So boring, in fact, that my eight-year-old begged me during about uh, 30 minutes into the movie to let him go outside and take my phone to go play, you guessed it, Angry Birds Transformers. <laughs> so... When I literally say it would have been better off playing the video game for 90 minutes, um, he sure seemed to think so. We coaxed him back in the theater, and he did like the last 30 minutes. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Um, I I do want to uh, let Brooke kind of have her say, though, that she did mention that uh, this was very um, this was very kid friendly in her mind. She liked it better than Minions uh, because she felt that uh, it's probably better for kids to think about their emotions and be in touch with their emotions rather than going around causing mischief and being a bad guy. Okay, I can I can see that. Um, and I'm, I'm she, on the side of mischief. <laughs> I I am too. And and uh, I mean, you and I remember we actually disagreed on Minions. I kind of liked that movie. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think also I might have just been surrounded by a bunch of annoying children when I saw it. You know, God forbid children would be at a children's movie. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, again, the Minions was just, for me, they work better in small doses. So Yeah, and, and Brooke's other major point is that this is one of the best video game movie adaptations out there. With that, I might agree, but when you're um, comparing it to the likes of Street Fighter... And Super Mario Brothers, um, there's not a whole lot out there that... Yeah. It's really kind of like a, the nicest turd in the punch bowl. Cra- cross your fingers for Assassin's Creed. I have I have high hopes 
for that that they might finally make a good video game uh, movie. But then we'll it's just see. chock full of convenient haystacks. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> that, that does look fun. So, yeah. So, uh, the next one we're going to talk about is Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising. And if you read our reviews over on Big Shiny Robot, uh, and as we'll talk about here, this is one of the rare times that Andy and I disagree very, very strongly. Very um, strongly. <laughs> on this film. So, uh, the basic storyline, it kind of takes place a couple years after the first Neighbors. Uh, the frats moved out, and both uh, Mac and Kelly Radner, who are played by Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne, are, uh, first of all, their baby's now a toddler. They're expecting a second baby, and they're trying to sell their house. Problem is, they kind of already went and bought another house, so they desperately need to get rid of the one they have, uh, or else they could possibly you know, lose both of them. So uh, they sell the house, they go to escrow, and they're told pretty much be perfect for 30 days because the buyers can drop out whenever they want. So they've got to have everything set up just great for 30 days. Um, enter Shelby, uh, who's played by Chloe Grace Moretz. She is a freshman at college and tr- goes join sororities like you do and finds out that due to an actual real-life kind of bylaw in the Greek system, sororities are not able to throw parties. And she's an average 18-year-old and wants to drink and smoke and do all those things. Uh, so they go to the frat parties, and it's pretty much, to be blunt, it's like a date rapist wet dream there. It, it's Maybe. pretty over the top and bad. So she decides to start her own independent sorority and moves into the house next door to the Radners. And, of course, wackiness ensues. Things go crazy. They hire uh, Teddy, who uh, Zac Efron, the character from the first movie, to come and kind of help them get set up and then realize, oh, you're hot, but you're old, and we don't want to hang out with you anymore. So they pretty much fire him. And then uh, to get back at them, he works with the Radners to try to find ways to shut down the sorority and kick them out before the buyers have a chance to withdraw. Um, that's pretty much the story in a nutshell. Of course, shenanigans and wackiness ensues. Um, but Andy actually likes a lot more than I did. So how about you start out, and then we'll kind of do point and counterpoint from here. Sure. I, I think that what I liked about Neighbors was that despite all of the juvenile humor, I felt that this went to a different level, and specifically had a very biting social commentary with what they were trying to say. Uh specifically about sexual equality, specifically about sexual assault, and uh, really tackling a lot of these issues, not in your normal, like, social justice warrior way, but trying to be funny about it and giving it a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. That was what I really enjoyed about this and what I thought elevated it from just another sequel because quite frankly, a lot of this felt very been there, done that. And I felt that the yeah, humor just a was... Bit. Yeah, uh, just a bit. Um, but I felt that the humor was pointing us somewhere, and that somewhere was good, and it's not a message that we often hear, and it's especially not a message that we hear about uh, college and about partying and, and these very, very serious issues. The other thing I really liked is that everyone basically in this movie was kind of looking for their place. Like, everyone was in an existential funk. 
Teddy had no idea what to do with his life post-frat and post-college, and he's just kind of a leaf on the wind. Shelby's like, I'm in this new experience, and I have all of these girlfriends, and we need to do something with this, and we need to find ourselves and be true to ourselves. And the old people are like, we got to get the hell on up out of here and move out to the suburbs because we can't take this anymore. And we got to start living our lives at a slower pace. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, So, I mean, I, I thought that that kind of sweet center was, was really nice. And I really liked that. Um, Zac Efron really held this movie together in my opinion, because it ended up being his story about, uh, his journey from being a bro into a man. And I like that. Okay, I think you saw it and saw a different movie than I did. Um, yep. <laughs> because this movie is absolute garbage. This is uh, the epitome of what is wrong with America. This is Donald Trump in a movie. So, yeah, I was I actually was excited at first. I was like, you know what? Let's take the whole, you know, girls just want to have fun and point out the sexism and everything that's inherent in the frat system and um, how just a bunch of dudes trying to get laid and you know, have conquests over women. <clears throat> let's flip it around. Let's let let them objectify men. Let's let them throw parties and do fun stuff. Um, the problem is it's so badly done and so pointless, and it's like it almost goes out of its way to be offensive. And I didn't find it offensive because again, I don't. Yeah, it's a, a conscious choice you have to make. Um, but here's the thing: Do you like racism? This movie's racist. Do you like ageism? Because this makes fun of anyone over the age of 21 for being old. And if they would have done it right, it would have been funny. But no, they don't. They just they just keep on saying, you're an old person, you're an old person. Screaming you're an old person over and over again isn't funny. It's annoying. It's what a teenager would do. And yes, while these people are teenagers, that doesn't mean I want to sit and listen to them for an hour and a half yell that kind of stuff. Um, do you like date rape? Because there's a lot of really fun date rape jokes in there, too. Uh, but again, aren't funny. If they were done well, I would laugh. You know, one of the very few times I laughed in this movie was it a horrible joke. It was basically about having another the, Jew in the oven. The most is... <laughs> offensive joke I have heard in a movie in years. And I was laughing. I was laughing my ass off. It was great. But the rest of it, no, which is horribly done. I love Chloe Grace Moretz. I think she's fantastic. I never want to see her in a movie ever again. She's so stupid and annoying and grating and distracting. Oh, it just pisses me off. And then the whole point is, at the end, we get to have our moment where, you know, the the Radners are debating the whole movie whether or not they're good parents. And at the end, they get to be a parent to this nasty little girl and her friends who are sad because they sold out. You know what? Who gives a crap? I don't. F this movie up its stupid ass and it can go die and burn in hell. Simple as that. Wow. Well, I don't have any arguments against that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't... I don't get actively angry at very many movies. In fact, I think the last one was Love the Coopers. And actually, this one I'm giving a higher score than Love the Coopers because of one scene. Um, But when I sit back and I'm like, this is so dumb and so... It's pointless. And I I don't... Yes, I enjoy some comedies that are pointless. You can turn your brain off and have fun. There's nothing redeeming here with the exception of the one scene where Dave Franco, you know, his boyfriend proposes to him, and you didn't know he was gay from the first one. And they treat him like, oh, hey, dude, like, just another bro who's getting married. And that was really cool. And I will give them points for that, for not making a joke out of that, and treating it like a real-life human. Um, But aside from that, this movie can go to hell. Uh, One out of ten. That's a begrudging one. Um, uh, I, I think the thing that I felt is 
that all of those things that you felt that glorified rape or glorified ageism, I thought were inherently making fun of them and turning it back around on it. And, and I thought that most of this movie was about flipping the power structure and, uh, and pointing out a lot of those inequities. Um, maybe that's much more of a subtle take on it. And maybe I'm bringing my own, okay, I'm probably bringing a lot of my own biases here and reading into this more than maybe was intended. Um, but I'd love to sit down with the screenwriters and, and see if they actually intended that or if they were like, or, uh, no, that was, that was just a funny dude, bro joke because there's lots of dude, bro humor. There's lots of stoner humor and everything that you expect and remember from the first neighbors. Uh, but I liked it, um, at, at least at a 7 out of 10. This isn't anything amazing. It's uh, it's your basic feuding neighbors movie. You saw the first one. There's this one plus a social message, and it's girls instead of boys. That's basically it. And see, here's my thing is that I don't, I don't mind at all, again, comedies that have offensive humor in them. Uh, in my written review... I specifically brought up the Blazing Saddles, which is very well known yeah. for being, you know, probably used to the N-word more than I think any other movie known to mankind. Um, but it was Mel Brooks' way of showing how, first of all, wrong racism was and is, and even how prevalent it still is in society. And that was the point he made with it, but it was smart and it was well done. This was like, this was so bad, like the writers of Scary Movie would have looked at the script and said, screw it and toss it in the trash. And we know, like, ugh. I get the fact of trying to make a statement. Um, they've tried, they failed, uh, and all the writers should be round up and shot. Ouch! <laughs> no, um, I hate this movie. I hate it with a fiery passion. It should go die. <laughs> wow! Uh, and and I just thought it was like kind of middling good. So, so. Uh, the, you you can all go and listen to Adam and stay as far away from this movie as possible. Or if you do go see it. Uh, you can tell us which one of us was right. Yeah, because um, it's actually very... This has been very polarizing. Of all my friends, other critic friends, um, it's it's a love-hate relationship. There's no, oh, it was okay. It's either, yeah, this was funny and I got it, or this is the worst thing to come out since Fifty Shades of Grey. So I'm very, very interested, uh, for those of you listening, to see what you thought. If you go see it, uh, my recommendation is to let me know in six months when it comes out on Redbox. That way it only costs you a dollar. I yeah I, I think this is especially when we have so many other really good movies out in the theaters right now. Uh, Captain America still needs your love and support. Uh, the Jungle Book is still out there. Like go see one of those on the big screen. Uh, this is something that you don't need to see on a big screen if you if you're really hurting for laughs. Um, I'd say rent the first one. And watch that until this comes out on Redbox, because it's probably a better movie. Uh, but speaking of better movies that deserve your support, and that are on the office, big screen, we'll get you to laugh, and we'll get you to laugh. We have Shane Black's The Nice Guys. The year is 1977. Bum 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 bum. Los Angeles is gripped. In the energy crisis and a blanket of smog. And a lot of porno stashes. <laughs> <laughs> a porn actress by the name of Misty Mountains is murdered. Enter private detective Holland March, played by Ryan Gosling, who is hired by her aunt to look for Miss Mountains. 
She claims she saw her three nights after her murder, but everyone knows that she's dead. He's trying to track down a girl named Amelia. She hires Jackson Healy, played by Russell Crowe, a ne'er-do-well thug, to beat up Holland and intimidate him. When other thugs show up to interrogate Jackson about what he knows about Amelia, he decides to team up with and hire Holland for the ever-so-classic 48-hour ticking clock to get to the bottom of the case. And all that in the first 15 minutes. Dun-dun-dun! And (laughs) wackiness ensues. (laughs) And when wackiness ensues, I mean everything you think about your Shane Black. Oh, yeah, no, this is like, this is... This is distilled Shane Black. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a very very Shane Black movie. So for those maybe not familiar with Shane Black's work, uh, he was the guy behind the original Lethal Weapon movies. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a more indie film. Not as many people saw. It's a great film. Uh, another kind of noir thriller like this, and uh, Iron Man Three, which was very Shane Blacky. Um, they're very talky, fun, detective, buddy comedies, and usually layers upon layers of different plot lines and trying to get the get to the bottom of uh, different mysteries. In this case, uh, there's a lot of them. Not only is there the missing girls, uh, the mob might also be involved. Uh, Detroit automakers might be involved. The Department uh, the, of Justice. The Department of Justice might be involved. It's it's a big labyrinthine plot, and the only person who can help unravel it is actually uh, Ryan Gosling's thirteen-year-old daughter, Holly. <laughs> and in my mind, Adam, tell me if you if you disagree. I thought that actress stole. The movie Anjuri Rice, who played Holly, she was just perfect. Oh, she she's fantastic! Like every at first, I didn't know because if she was going to be in the lot or if she was just going to be one of the side characters. But they really do a great job of bringing her throughout the entire film, and she is just absolutely the best. Every scene she's in, I mean, and Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, they're good actors, but she completely overtakes them um, and kind of puts them in their place because she just has so much fun with it. She's so smart. She's so witty. She gets the best lines. Uh, it's definitely a, a bright future for her. I'm excited to see uh, the new stuff she's in. She's the only one who's competent among these these knuckleheads. Because her dad's drunk the whole time. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like he's he's this terrible private detective who essentially like has turned being a PI into a kind of a dodge or a scam. And he's like all about milking his clients for more money without actually uncovering anything. And, uh, Russell Crowe is having a great time as this thug character. Who's like kind of out for vengeance because the, those guys crossed him and it's, it's just, everybody's having a lot of fun. The script is fun. It's extremely taut. I I don't have a bad thing to say about this movie. No, not at all. It's uh, I, I don't think I can give it a ten. Uh, I'm close to that. Um, but yeah, it's it's very very classic Shane Black. You get your you get your Christmas scene, which if you know his stuff, he always has his movies yep. around Christmas time. Um, I mean, the writing's great. The dialogue's always perfect. It's between him and uh, Dorkin. Like, they're both two of my favorite writers right now for any kind of screenplay or uh, any show. So, 
I mean, they, they both take the cake as far as knowing how to, one, be witty and funny, um, but also, like you said, there's layers and layers and layers, so you can go back and watch one of Shane Black's movies, you know, three or four times, and you'll always catch something new, because, you know, it, again, it's something that was buried or kind of hidden uh, with innuendo in there. Uh, the one thing I loved about this movie was there isn't one throwaway line, sight gag, or moment. Every single thing that happens happens for a reason. And oh I remember gosh. I was watching it. Actually, I just saw it a couple hours ago because I had to work through the screening. Uh, they made some offhand comment. I can't remember even what it was about. And then 20 minutes later, that was an important part of the plot. And if you weren't paying attention, you would have missed it. But then you're like, but if you were, then it's like, oh yeah, they mentioned that 20 minutes ago. And that's so cool how they, they brought it in and turned it around. Uh, it's it's just a lot of fun. It's definitely the funniest thing out there right now. Uh, it's If you love Shane Black, if you like anything, any kind of talky uh, or film noir, or especially in a period piece in the 70s, they nail it perfectly. Uh, go see this movie. It's absolutely fantastic. I think I know the part you're talking about. Did it involve Richard Nixon? Yes. That was, <laughs> that was, that was one of the parts, yeah. That was, that was just one of like 30 I caught. <laughs> that was my favorite bit. And there's, just, there's, there's a part where Ryan Gosling is so drunk and he like turns into like the the Jackie Chan drunken master and he's just stumbling and bumbling around and he's like he's like falling off of stuff and falling into things and he's like I can't die (laughs) (laughs) did you catch the uh the Abbott and Costello reference oh my gosh yes yeah so there's a there's a really great part if you've ever seen uh it's Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and there's a part where uh, Lou Costello is like watching like Dracula come out of his thing, like his coffee he's not moving, and he's so scared he can't talk. And like, uh, Bud Abbott, his name is Lou, uh, Chip. He's like, <laughs> he's just so scared. <laughs> and Ryan Gosling, there's a scene where he does the exact same thing, and I was just dying laughing. I think I was the only one in the theater who got that reference because it was just the funniest damn thing. It was just him sitting there doing a perfect Lou Costello impression. That was so good. And it was, you know, it, I, I just, it, it's bits like that, that that turned Shane Black into his own thing. Like, he really knows where he's driving the movie, and he knows exactly what he's doing. I just love this script. I I have one tiny complaint, and and I but I think that this was probably... Uh, what they intended to do, rather than um, rather than an oversight, and Matt Bomer is the fourth build actor in this movie. He doesn't show up until like the last 30, 40 minutes. Um, yeah, I'd say it's about that. And he's not in it a whole lot, and he's the only character in the entire movie that isn't fleshed out very well. Which is kind of okay because they kind of let him be like the mysterious man, uh, kind of a force of nature. And you, you got to get some good Walton's jokes out of it. So <laughs> you did get some good Walton's jokes out of it. But I, I mean, I I get that that's where they're going. I just I think Matt Bomer is a fantastic actor, and I I would love to see him be able to actually be able to do more and i was really hoping oh he's going to be in a shane black movie finally people are going to see how great matt bomer is and it's like yeah well kind of and he he didn't even take his shirt off 
Oh. For shame. Oh. Shame on you. Shame on you. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, otherwise, yeah, this is a near perfect movie, and I'm at a 9 out of 10. And actually, I'm right with you on that, a 9 as well. It's uh, it's not that I, anything was done wrong or done bad. It's just it wasn't... Um, it didn't really give me anything new. It was just it was new Shane Black. It's kind of like when your when your favorite author who always has really really good books comes out with a new one, and you go and you enjoy it. It's, it's kind of what you've seen before, but uh, so it's nothing new or inventive or but it's still a lot of fun. Uh, and like you said, definitely the funniest thing out there right now. Uh, go see this. Uh, if you want to catch up, go watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang first, uh, just to kind of get in the, the proper mood before you go. Uh, you know, another great movie pairing for this, I think, would be uh, L.A. Confidential. Also oh, yeah. with, with Russell Crowe and Kim Basinger. Another great period piece that's got this noir uh, sort of feel and and everything and, and a labyrinthine plot and layers upon layers. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think more Shane Black or... Uh, uh, or L.A. Confidential. The, mm-hmm. the 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 best thing about watching L.A. Confidential versus this is you can see how much Russell Crowe has grown as an actor. In in L.A. Confidential, he's just kind of a beast and he's brooding, and in this, he's obviously having a lot of fun. I think this is the best thing that Russell Crowe has done in like a decade. Um, he's obviously oh, having easily, a good yeah. time, and I'd I'd almost say the same thing about Ryan Gosling. But we just saw the big short like six months ago, and uh, and Drive, Drive is amazing. But oh, Drive's more... Drive's one of my favorite movies of the last five years. Yeah, and and but it's up there with um with other great things that he's done. So this is just absolutely fantastic. And Ryan Gosling is actually two days younger than I am. So, oh, <laughs> so <laughs> look how far he's came with he's come with his life. Um, so yeah, so definitely the recommend of the week would be uh, would be the nice guys. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, don't take your kids to it. It's not a kids movie. Oh uh, no, it's there is R for a reason. <laughs> yeah, there. I mean, there is lots of porn in this movie and uh, lots of violence. Yeah, no, so. no dong though, but lots, lots of breasts. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, oh god, that scene at the car show at the end. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Of, oh, there. Yeah, it's so great because. You need to go see this with friends so you all can talk about it afterwards because there's so many like cool moments you just want to relive um, that when you go see it by yourself, and I haven't been able to talk about this all day long. I've been so excited to come over here just and, and go over it with you. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah go, see, go see the nice guys. And uh, before we wrap up, we want to talk quickly about one other movie that I think you all should go see, even though a lot of people are complaining about it. Uh, and it's not even out yet. Uh, that would be the, the upcoming Ghostbusters reboot, which comes out in, I think, July 16th, I want to say, is the actual date. Um, yeah. If you know any of us, or if you're online on Facebook at all, there's been this huge backlash against it. Um, a lot of people upset that, you know, it's they're doing an all-female cast and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But one person kind of took it to an extreme. Um, there is a quote-unquote critic known as the Angry Video Game Nerd, and he went on a six-minute tirade about how he refuses to go see this movie, and here's why, and blah, blah, blah. And it, it sparked a lot of uh, conversation online, most of it bad. Uh, it's really hard to say that much good could come out of that, those conversations when people are just screaming at each other on Facebook. Um, I've mostly stayed out of it. My only thing I threw in there was that, well, if you're picking and choosing what movies you want to go review, 
um, then you're not a true film critic. So don't call yourself one uh, because that's incorrect. You know, Andy and I, we go see everything we possibly can. Um, do we miss things every now and then? Yes, we do because, hey, we have a life outside of this. We have work. We have responsibilities. And there's lots of stuff that isn't screened for us. That it, yeah. Like the worst of the worst, most of it, that isn't like given to critics. So Yeah, but yeah. like, but still, I mean, I, we... You know, we've sat through Fifty Shades of Grey. We saw Pixels and Fantastic Four. Uh, just because a movie we go in and it looks like it's not going to be good doesn't mean we get the choice to be like, well, I'm not going to go see this because it looks bad. Um, you take the good with the bad. And like Andy explained in our very, very first episode, uh, most movies, they're, they're created on a bell curve. You've got the very, very end, like your ones and two movies, and those are few and far between. On the other side, you've got your nine and tens. Those are, you know, rare. And in the middle, you've got your five to seven range and most movies are going to fall into that um the, the response that was given back to me about that was well he has two million followers on, on youtube how many do you have i'm like i don't care like if we're gonna base you know if we're gonna base whether someone's right or wrong on the number of followers they have then justin bieber is the most awesome person in the world uh, oh, kim, kardashian, kim kardashian justin bieber should run on a who gives a crap ticket and become president of the united states of america uh, you can't base uh, whether someone's right or wrong or uh, accuracy on popularity. Um, well, actually, Adam, uh, Justin Bieber can't run for president because he's a Canadian and Kim Kardashian isn't old enough to... I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm taking up the, the humorless... Uh, <laughs> uh, the humorless antagonistic uh, role that so many people are playing online and every time someone posts something about... Uh, what's going on with Ghostbusters it's like well actually and then they try and throw a bunch of crap out there it's yeah and, and here's the thing is neither one of us have a dog in this fight I mean to be completely honest I, I'm not a backer of this movie I don't have stock in that company uh, it, I'm hoping it'll be good it could be a piece of crap and guess what we'll tell you I mean we don't oh yeah we're not you know no one's paying our bills by <laughs> reviewing movies we're doing this because we love it uh, and we are truly 100% independent so um, if we don't like something, we're very upfront as you know we we were today. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, am I rooting for this movie? Yes, because I think it looks funny. I love uh, uh, Paul Feig, you know, the director. I love the cast. Everything he's done with you know these strong female leads in movies. Uh, everything Melissa McCarthy's been in that he's directed is good. Uh, so yeah, of course we're rooting for it. But um, if it sucks, it sucks. That's what happens. But you cannot make up your mind and you cannot say if movies are good or bad until you see it. Uh, so basing your opinion off a trailer and then specifically saying that I'm not going to go see this movie because blah, 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 blah. Um, and then in that case, my good sir, you are not a critic and you are not legitimate. So the angry video game nerd, you are not a true critic. I don't give a damn how many followers you have. You are a hack, sir, and that there's no other way to say it. Well, I mean, look, what he's doing is not even criticism. He takes crappy old Nintendo games and shows you how terrible they were. I agree. I hated the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, and it was annoying as f to play that game. And I those, had fun with it. <laughs> but you know, but that's his shtick. Is he gets really mad about stuff, and then and then you watch him. I mean, it's kind of like Lewis Black with retro video gaming. But that doesn't. Yeah, but Lewis Black is talented. Yeah, but Lewis Black is talented. That's right. But that doesn't make him a, an actual critic. He's not 
actually going out and reviewing new games that are coming out because inherent in the act of criticism is us trying to say something about the state of film, the state of humanity. And I mean, I'm getting really hoity-toity and high-minded about all of this. Um, and in one sense, I I do try and do that. I mean, I think as evidenced by like well, our conversation about Neighbors 2. It's like, here's this movie about stoners and sorority girls. And, you Which know, I would have enjoyed, but that wasn't what the movie was about. <laughs> <laughs> that the neighbors three stoners and sorority <laughs> girls just oh, for God. adam no but um it, but you know we tried to have you know some sort of a high-minded uh discussion about what the issues might have been there i always go into a movie rooting for it i wanted angry birds to be great I wanted Fantastic Four to be great. I really wanted Fantastic Four to be great. Well, yeah, because no one wants to sit there for two hours hating your life. Yeah, I know. And so, you know, that's that's the problem. And I love Ghostbusters. Uh, it is it is the movie that I have seen more than any other movie that is not named Star Wars. So uh, it is my favorite comedy of all time. I I love it more than almost anything else out there um i would love to see a successful reboot of the franchise but um i i do think that there are some things that might be troubling in the trailer but it's a trailer i'm not going to prejudge it man the trailers for x-men first class do you remember how bad that marketing campaign was adam oh no it was horrible i mean the only and that's the thing people need to understand too is that the people who make the movies aren't the ones who make the trailers. There's a yeah. marketing team that comes in. Their goal is to show you just what you need to get your interest piece to get you to go pay and see the movie. So a lot of times, you know, that's why when you go see a movie and you're like, dude, this was nothing like the trailer. Uh, it's because the people making the film don't have that kind of input. The only people who do it well um, right now is Disney. I mean, if you look at this, like the Star Wars Episode Seven trailers. Oh my gosh, yeah. They were fantastic because they had us all frothing at the mouth to go see this movie. But I walked in, I didn't know a damn thing about it. Nothing. Yep. I mean, we all walked in thinking Finn was the Jedi. Yep. So that's that's how good of a job they do with it because they've had tight control. I mean, you can see the same thing with some of their with their Marvel trailers as well. You know, they always say, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a movie by its trailer. Because, yeah, the first trailer for Ghostbusters had some problems. So it's funny. The second one came out. I was even more excited. They did the little one-shot thing showing you know Chris Hemsworth and his character and kind of explaining that. I was rolling on the floor laughing. I thought it was so hilarious. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's I. So many times this week, I keep going back to Aristotle in one of his many philosophical books. Wrote that we can classify things by what it is that they do. Essentially, he's making the Batman defense. It's not who I am underneath. It's what I do that defines what I am. <laughs> it's what I do that defines who I am. So, you know, a a trailer is not a movie. A trailer is an advertisement. And if it gets you to say, yes, I'll buy a ticket for that movie, then it did its job. It doesn't have to check off every box of what the movie actually is. It's, it's, it's a binary either, yes, now I want to go see this movie, or no, I don't. And most of the people, at least, who have seen the Ghostbusters trailer are like, well, I don't know, but I'm going to go see it. So um, 
there you go. Uh, but that does not explain this crazy phenomenon that it is the most disliked video in the history of YouTube. Like, more dislikes than Rebecca Black's Friday. Like, I do not get that. Okay, I do get that because I know where it's coming from. And there is a certain segment of people who hate the idea of an all-female Ghostbusters team so much that they're really heaping as much scorn on it as possible. And that is despicable. And, you know, I, I compare the outrage over the reboot of Ghostbusters with a female cast to uh, the Star Trek reboot. And we did not see anywhere near the, the amount of outrage for rebooting and recasting that. And it, it just if you do kind of an apples-to-apples apples comparison of the Star Trek Beyond trailer to the Ghostbusters trailer, man, that first Star Trek Beyond trailer was not very good-looking and was not making me confident about whether that was a good movie or not. If and if the world were a completely fair place, it would be the Star Trek trailer that had all the scorn heaped on it, not the Ghostbusters. Which leads me to believe that there is something going on here that might rhyme with sexism. But I wouldn't rhyme know with anything about that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know anything about that. And I'm not I'm not saying you're a sexist. I'm saying there might be some sexism. Oh, I'll say it. <laughs> if, you're, if you're pissed off because there's female Ghostbusters, you're a sexist. Get over yourself. Okay, um, yeah. And, and I'm, here, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> well, no, and I, I, I'll be nice when it's appropriate, but I will not mince words with people who are idiots. And yes, if you dislike Ghostbusters because the reboot, because it's a female cast, um, not not the actresses playing it, but because it's specifically female, you are a sexist idiot. Please do not listen to this podcast. Um, but, my favorite my favorite argument is, but these people are messing around with my movie, and I'm like, oh, really? Oh, it's you own the your movie. movie. That is so cool. Had, so here's the thing is everyone's complaining about this. Like, we wanted, you know, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray back. Bill Murray is only in this movie because it's the female reboot. He's only yep. in it because he wanted to make sure people didn't think that he wanted people to know he signed off on it. Um, Dan Aykroyd is a crazy son of a bitch. He's, the idea he's been kicking around for Ghostbusters 3 for decades now because he hasn't had a life since Soul Man um, is was insane and stupid. And it was a horrible idea. Nothing good came out of it, and that's why Bill Murray kept on burning the scripts when they were sent to him. He wanted nothing to do with it. So the fact that we're even getting to Ghostbusters and that Bill Murray is and uh, them are going to have cameos in it is kind of a big deal. Well, um, you, you look at what happened when they announced that they were going to do an all-female Ghostbusters, and Bill Murray is like, here, I'm going to name off for you four actresses who should be in this movie. And two of those four were Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig. And yeah. so I like if if you want the blessing of the king of the Ghostbusters, it's right there. Dan Aykroyd had to, by virtue of the fact that he owns a portion of the Ghostbusters name and everything associated with it, would have had to sign off on everything here. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's their movie, bro. Yeah, it's and they're down with it. They're really down with it. Yeah. 
And and guess what? If this movie's horrible and it's just the worst thing to happen since well, Ghostbusters two wasn't even that good of a film either. Um, no. Guess what? You can still go back to your mom's basement with the angry video game nerd, and you can watch your VHS copy of Ghostbusters because it will still exist. Yeah. Yep. It won't. It, it's not like the Bernstein Bear is not going to disappear into the either because of John Titer. No, it still exists. You'll still be able to sit down, <clears throat> eat your hot pockets, and masturbate over your favorite movie. That will not change. And I'll tell you what. When we saw Angry Birds yesterday, and they played the Ghostbusters trailer. My 11-year-old daughter got really, really excited, and she grabbed my arm and said, I want to see that. She hasn't yeah. done that in a long time. She is not, She normally doesn't get that excited over movies. We saw Finding Dory right afterwards, and she's like, eh, meh, you know, that, that looks good. Yeah, we'll go see that. But, oh, she was really excited for Girl Ghostbusters. That's cool. I want to take my daughter to go see a Ghostbusters movie the same way my dad took me to go see Ghostbusters. Exactly. I think where, that's you can, cool. where you can see you can see yourself on screen and literally you have that connection that you wouldn't have. I mean, and yeah, if it was an all male Ghostbusters movie, I'd be fine with that too. But yep. it's if if you're upset because of the race, creed, sexuality, or gender of the person on the screen, and that's the the only reason why you're upset with that movie or that portrayal. Um, then you, yes, you are a horrible person. Don't try to pass off and be like, pretend it's something else. You're not. You're a horrible person, and just like Neighbors 2, you should go die. And I think Kate McKinnon looks really funny in this movie. Oh, my, my, my buddy is, he's, the scene where she licks the, uh, Oh the my gun, gosh, I die. Like that's like his permanent spank bank material for him, so. <laughs> no comment, but yes. <laughs> so anyways, I. Uh, Again, it kind of goes back to, if you ever listen to the Geek Show podcast, the the rule they live by and the rule that I think everyone should live by is, repeat to yourself that it's just a show and you should really just relax. Guess what? In the grand scheme of things, whether this movie is the greatest thing to happen since the first Ghostbusters or the worst, it doesn't really matter. It's there for entertainment. It's there for us to have fun. And you know what? I'm, you know, but yeah, they want to make a lot of money. That's It's a business. <laughs> they call it yep. a movie business for a reason. So Yep. Um, that's our thoughts on that, and also, you know, we had some good movies this week. Uh, next week is kind of slow. Uh, we've got the the big, uh, I guess, kind of big screen release of The Lobster, which premiered at Sundance and actually is already out on DVD and Blu-ray, so I'm not sure why it's coming back to theaters. Um, but the other big one is Alice Through the Looking Glass, which is the sequel to Disney's big, huge uh, Alice in Wonderland. So we'll be back next week to talk about that. But until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon.